What do you do when you are the only ordinary member of a talented family and even your dog Zero is branded as thick? Jack was getting desperate until his uncle Parker thought of a scheme to win him all the attention he craved. But it didn't always work out as smoothly as planned. Hi, welcome back to Books Are Back. My name's Ursula. And my name's Catherine. She's my mum. This week I was reading Ordinary Jack by Helen Cresswell. And this is the difficult second episode of our podcast in which we discuss uh, books that I enjoyed as a child um, after Ursula has read them. So we found this episode slightly difficult to record. This is our second attempt. Ursula, why has it been challenging? Um, I found it very hard to find the thing that was going to captivate me in the book. Some of the language didn't always make sense and there wasn't exactly that exciting plot that always grips me. So the question is, why did I like this book so much when I was a child? Um, and I've been reflecting on that. I remember my mum uh, picking the book out for me in a bookshop in St Andrews. She grabbed it from the shelf and said, what about this one? And after I'd read it, I thought she was very clever because I... I couldn't see anything in the blurb or anything on the cover that would suggest it was going to be such an amusing book. And I remember a book about a big family, um, everyone being very funny, the family being quite chaotic, and it just all adding up to a good fun read. I read quite a few of the books that Helen Cresswell wrote about this family, and I have found when I've gone back to reflect on things that the part of the book that I enjoyed the most, I thought was the most memorable and was funniest, actually isn't in Ordinary Jack at all, but it's in the sequel. So (laughs) Ursula never got to read that part, but I might share some of it with you later. I also thought that the family were quite full of themselves, quite, oh yeah, we're the best at everything. Instead of finding that funny, you found it... Just sort of... Well, I, I did sort of find it funny. I guess it was funny, but not the way that Helen Cresswell had written it. Like, the language she had used just didn't make me laugh. Okay. So, um, the point about the family is that everyone in it has many strings to their bow. They all have a collection of talents. Um, each of them can play an instrument and has an unusual hobby and is a specialist in French literature, I think someone is. All apart from Ordinary Jack. One of them can solve the Times crossword in less than five minutes without using a dictionary. And who's that? I think it's Aunt... I'm not sure what her second name is. It's Uncle Parker's wife. Right. Uncle Parker's not really a member of the family. He's only a member of the family because he's married to this woman. This talented crossword solver. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. So, based on what you read to date, Ursula... What is the book about? Um, Well, Jack's really annoyed because of something that's just happened to him at the pool. I'm not going to tell you about that because it is one of my questions for the quiz later, so you will find out. But So he comes home in a grump and he meets his uncle, Parker, and um, he has a chat with him and he says they've all got so many strings to their bow and I really want one and uncle parker says well what and he says 
Nothing to do with sport. Oh, and nothing to do with maths either. And Uncle Parker says, well, you've not given me much of an option, but I will have a go. And he comes back a few days later and says, how about pretending to be a seer? And does he try it? Yes. And what does he do to pretend to be a seer? He pretends to have visions, so he goes... As an example, I'm not entirely sure if this was one in the book, but he says, I, 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 I see a, a man in a suit. He, he is coming out of a, a car, I think, like that. And how does he know that that is going to happen? Oh, and because Uncle Parker's agreed with him. Oh, so Uncle Parker's going to do the things... After Jack has predicted them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so the other main point that I got was, it was Ordinary Jack's grandma's birthday. And one of the parts that I really liked about it, there was, a, there, there was an explosion that sort of burnt down their house or their sitting room, at least. And something I really liked about the way she catalogued that, she did it like this. Fact the first... Fact the second, and then so on. I th- I thought that was a really interesting way to catalogue what happened. And they, they were, were facts about um, how it ha- had happened. Yeah, how the explosion had happened. Was so it? how Daisy had hid under and was opening crackers. And set fire to the living room. Yeah. That's the kind of chaos I remember from the stories. So I've looked a little bit into who Helen Cresswell was and... Um, her other work and she's still um quite a popular author um although I don't know anyone else who has read these um Bagthorp stories maybe she will soon <laughs> well <laughs> maybe this will inspire some of you <laughs> to go and read them it might God, it's not my fault that I didn't like them. I have said that it was only my opinion. Now, um, remember I said to you there was quite a few Bagthorpe stories that she wrote, but she also wrote other books for children, and she also was a writer for children's television. And I wonder now if it was the fact that my mum had seen her name in lots of credits for popular children's TV programmes... And thought, oh, that looks interesting. ...that made her pick the book from the shelf because she would have noticed that and thought, Helen Cresswell, I know she writes good... um, Children's books. uh, Or good plays for telly. Oh, okay. Um, And she did some of her own. She wrote something called Lizzie Dripping, which I didn't watch when I was little... But I do remember that my mother would call anyone whose name was Elizabeth, she'd call them Lizzie Dripping. So she obviously knew about it. And she also adapted The Phoenix and the Carpet for television. And that was on the telly. Did, did it go on the television? It did. And she wrote the scripts for that. That's one of our favourite books to read together. That's interesting. It is. It's a good book. And I've not seen the telly programme. And you've you didn't even know there was a telephone No. So that might be something to look into. Um, and the Bagthorpes also made it onto TV. And if you look at my copy of Absolute Zero, you can see some of the actors. Yeah, so we've got Ordinary Jack, Zero, Dog, and then one of Jack's brothers and one of his sisters. Yeah. So 
Um, you can still see some of the Backstorm Saga, I think, if you look it up on YouTube, um, you can see some of Helen Cresswell's work there from her television work. So I thought I would read a little bit from Absolute Zero because this is the part of the book that I just remember thinking was very funny and, of course, it wasn't in Ordinary Jack at all. So in Absolute Zero, what happens is Uncle Parker comes round and announces that he has won Caribbean holiday by entering a competition on a packet of sugar puffs and he's won the competition by writing a slogan for sugar puffs. Um, and when the bag folks find out that his slogan is get tough with sugar puff, they are absolutely scandalised. They think it's a terrible slogan and they're all sure that they could do so much better. They're consumed with envy that he's going on a Caribbean holiday. So basically they all want another string to bow. They all want another strength of bullet and they all decide to become mad competition enterers. And I have to say, I kind of thought that that was maybe the story of Ordinary Jack, that he had become a really good competition enterer. But that's not the case at all. Um, um, this is second story and everyone joins in the action. So do they all bungle like 100 packs of cereal and they all basically have to buy another cupboard? It, it, exactly. And at one point, what happens is Mr. Um, Bagsthorpe creeps into the larder, larder and cuts all of the um, labels and competition bits off all the packets oh. and uh, all the labels in there. And that was kind of part of the it's book. really naughty. Part of the book I was going to read from. At this part of the story... Um, Mrs. Fosdyke, the Bagthorpe's housekeeper, has taken Granny to the bingo the night before to cheer her up. The next day, the story goes like this. It was around mid-morning that things began to hot up. First of all, Uncle Parker came round to find out how Grandma had got on at the bingo. Grandma was just finishing her account when Mr. Bagthorpe entered the kitchen, having smelled coffee. Oh, bad luck, Henry, Uncle Parker greeted him. Would you believe it? Well, that's one thing I've never had, I'm happy to say. An endorsement, and this is a reference to Mr. Bagsorp has just had penalty points put on his driving licence. This made Mr. Bagsorp genuinely feel like murdering Uncle Parker. He clenched and unclenched his hands, and it was nearly a full minute before he trusted himself to speak. If there were any justice, he said, and there isn't, you would not have anything so trivial as an endorsement you would long ago have been banned from driving for life and possibly even imprisoned. So, um, yeah, part of the one of the first things that we find out is in my book is that Uncle Parker is an incredibly bad driver. He goes very quickly and he takes hairpin bend without checking. Well, this becomes apparent as I read on. Here, Grandma was inclined to agree. That is perfectly true, she said. At least you, Henry, never ran over a beautiful and innocent cat. Yeah, he also may have killed Grandma's cat. Quite, said Mr Bagsorb, letting this inaccurate description of Thomas go. Nor was I, I'm happy to say, responsible for encouraging a sheltered old lady to run loose in a bingo hall. He'd gone too far. Just one moment, said Grandma frigidly. Is it to myself you are alluding as a sheltered old lady? If so, I take the utmost exception to the expression. I am not sheltered. Nobody who has lived in this house all the years I, could, I have could ever be sheltered. 
And I am not old. Of course not. Uncle Parker saw his chance of winning her back on his side. Age cannot wither you, nor the years condemn, nor custom stale your infinite variety. This complicatedly worded compliment set off a heated argument about mixed sources. Mr. Bagthorpe maintained that half of it was from a poem about the war dead by Binion, and the other half from Antony and Cleopatra. Uncle Parker, realising he was right, sidestepped this by saying that he had been perfectly aware of that all along. It was an impromptu remark, he said, and without wishing to boast, it was a sign of creative genius to reconcile the seemingly disparate. This inflamed Mr. Bagthorpe still further, and a real three-cornered fight was just getting underway when Mrs. Fosdyke, whom everyone had been ignoring, suddenly let out a wild shriek. The row stopped dead. A lot of shrieking went on in the Bagthorpe house, but to date, none of it had come from Mrs. Fosdyke. They all turned. She was standing in the doorway of the pantry, looking pale and distraught. Somebody cut all the holes in the cereal. In each hand, she held out a tin without a label. There's thousands of them, she shrieked, and tops of packets and holes in the sides of things. Only Mr. Bagsorp among those present had the faintest idea what she was talking about. He wished himself at the ends of the earth, the salt mines. Mrs. Fosdyke let the tins fall and watched them dully as they rolled away over the tiles. She turned back, picked up two more tins and let them go the same way. Jack thought it obvious that she'd gone mad like Ophelia, but instead of strewing flowers was rolling tins. They all stood there and watched till the tins finally came to rest. There was a silence. The next words clearly had to be spoken by Mrs. Fosdyke and they waited patiently. She started off by shaking her head. She shook her head for quite a long time and then at last spoke, but not really to them, more to herself. Plums and haricots, beans and tomatoes, she intoned. She repeated it as if it were a line of poetry. Plums and haricots, beans and tomatoes. Still no one else spoke. There seemed no answer to this kind of remark. After another pause, she elaborated on her theme. Pineapple and mince, a dozen of cling peaches there was. Which is what and whatever else. Dun, dun, dun. So the story goes on to explain how the bag sorts decide on a rota for guessing what's in the tins when they open them to make their meals. And it all becomes highly competitive in a completely oh, so bag sort way. <laughs> so, so it goes from who can be the best at winning competitions to who can guess what in the dens. Yeah, you do it by shaking and you've got to work out. And so they... the beans <laughs> or the chickpeas. Exactly. Or the beans or the chickpeas. Like so that. I heard you laughing when I was reading. <laughs> what did you think of the language in that? It was better. Is it because I was reading it? Did that help you understand yeah, uh, it more? I always find that you do really good accents and I think that helps me. To follow the language? Yeah. I wondered if the stories were too old for you. What do you think? No, I don't think so. Do you think, did you recognise all of the references and sort of things that were important to them in their world in the 70s? No. So maybe they are the right age, but they're just a bit old-fashioned. I don't think so. I think it's the language. So it's not, it's not the... It's not the references to things, it's literally the language she uses. Yeah. 
was too... It was very wordy. It was very wordy. But as you can see from the way I was reading it, I found that really the best part. <laughs> okay. At this point in the podcast? No? No, I'm starting. Okay. And now it's time for the shout-outs. We'd like to give a big shout-out to Ruth Daniel. She's a really good friend and gave us the money to buy this. The M-Audio Uber Mic. It's incredibly helpful for recording this podcast. She doesn't run a business, but she's a great friend. So, yay! Now it's time for the quiz. Okay, in this quiz, we have four questions. I have the answer. It's on the card of doom. Okay, I'm ready. What happens at the pool that puts Jack off? Um, I don't know. Does his sister, who is so much younger than him, set some kind of world record for speeding up and down the pool? Sort of. So one of his younger sisters beats him at ten lengths of the pool. Right. Okay, next That'll question. That'll be a string to her bow. Yeah, next question. So this was because I was running out of time late last night. So you all know the answer. But what is the name of Jack's dog? Jack's dog is called Zero. Okay. Now, what is the name of the series of books? So it's not the Ordinary Jack series, like quite a lot of books do. They just take the first thing and then put it in. So what's the name? I do know this one. Um, it's called The Bagthorpe Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, I think there's maybe five or six. Okay. And then the last thing is, when visualising what he wants to imagine, well, so he also does sort of dreamy things where he just looks at someone's ear. So when trying to visualise, he makes himself a big cooked up breakfast. What is the only ingredient that he cannot find? Is this... Well, this is before people take the lids off, uh, the labels off the tins, because that's in the next book. Yeah. Um, he can't find sausages. Mushrooms. Ah, oh, I don't remember that part. Um, okay, is that, is that three out of four for me? Yes. Wait. I'm going to say two and a half. Okay. Is that because Bagsop Saga came up already? What? No, um, it's because um, you sort of got the swimming one, right? Not really. Okay, fair enough. Now, Ursula. Yes? Something I wanted to talk to you about, because this came up when we were recording Dr. Doolittle. Oh, yeah, you made a huge spoiler. So I was talking about something I remembered from the book, and when you um, gave your take, you didn't pick up on that. Um, and I wondered why, because I thought maybe you hadn't enjoyed that part or it hadn't been important to you. But you said it was because it was a massive spoiler. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the whole way that they get off that island, it's such a challenge to get the doctor to come to make them something, agree to take them. Mm-hmm. It, I just thought that it was way too much of a spoiler for people who actually wanted to read the book. Okay, so we haven't this time, we haven't explained what happens with Ordinary Jack's scheme. That may be because of several reasons. <laughs> One of the reasons could be you don't know yourself. <laughs> yeah, that could be a disadvantage, but still, I wouldn't have said. So what 
is your do you think we should not include spoilers uh, I don't because I mean one of the things we're trying to do is to get people to read more during lockdown would you read a book where someone has given away a massive plot point from the ending yeah I mean, what's right? the fun in that ah so it's all about finding out what happened okay well well let's ask listeners to um, let us know their views on whether spoilers um, should be included, um, whether they're planning to read the books themselves or might read the books if we present them in a way that doesn't give away the ending. Um, I, of course, am just always eager to talk about everything I've loved um, in the stories and it hadn't occurred to me not to do um, spoilers. So um, I also wanted to cover the issue, would you read more by Helen Cresswell? No. Never. Maybe in a couple of years, but not right now. Would you watch The Phoenix on the Carpet? Yes. Because that's one of my favourite books that I ever read. And that, it's, not, it's, it's not a book by her, but that's um, something she made for the telly. I think that takes us really to what is it that we're going to talk about next week? Well, I don't know because it's you who decides. Well, next week we're going to be reading... Help, I'm a Prisoner in a Toothpaste Factory by John Antrobus. This book is very short. I really feel you should be able to reach the end. The book is 61 pages long. Yeah, I can read that. I've read the Harry Potter, one of the Harry Potter books in less than two weeks. So I think a 61-page book will get this episode recorded in double-quick time, um, particularly since we are, as you mentioned, in lockdown. So I can just sort of sit and read it. You, I think you could probably read it in a sitting. Um, so tune in next time to hear what Ursula, th- Ursula thought about help and a prisoner in a toothpaste factory. Challenge accepted. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>